Comrades and friends, hello. This is the Highlands Bunker Podcast. Uh, a note before uh, we get started today. Um, I, I'm not, I, I haven't been looking forward to doing this, uh, but I think it's incredibly important to do. Um, we're going to talk, and this is sort of like a you know, fair warning. Um, we're going to talk in detail about Lamont Moses' execution. Uh, we're going to walk through the timeline and compare what we know to the report that's come out that the officers will not be charged um, criminally. And so it's not going to be pleasant, um, but I, I, I need to feel satisfied to get this all on the record so people understand really what's going on here. So joining me today uh, is someone who has uh, been been working with the family uh, via the NAACP and via just the community organizing, Kobe Owens. Uh, Kobe, what's going on, man? Nothing much, nothing much. Um, always happy to be on the show, even though you took my spot this time. Um, but, you know, this is this is going to be a deep conversation. Um, and I, I just want to really break it down um, to let people know, like, where, what was going on that night versus what we saw, what we heard, and then what's in the report. So, uh, our our main man, uh, K.F. Stomberg, is here uh, behind the panels. Um, he might have uh, some things to say, too, but before we get started, I just want to uh, tell a quick story. A couple days ago, I was walking home from downtown, uh, back to Bunker Studios, and I was walking past the, uh, the CVS on uh, on Pennsylvania Avenue there at 95 across from the children's music uh, the children's theater as I got there I saw a uh, a female Wilmington officer kind of like put her hand out and stop two um, black guys I couldn't tell what was going on exactly and she basically without while I'm walking up she's getting them to sit down on the curb uh, inside the the CVS parking lot and so I decided just to stand there a minute uh, because I, you know, I don't like that. I, I don't know what's going down. You know, I'm not a fan of it. And then, of course, within 10, 30, 10, 15 seconds, another cop you know, f- comes up <coughs> and they start talking to these to these guys. Well, the two cops kind of walk away a minute, and I yell over. I'm like, "You guys, you guys, good? You guys are? I mean, how, how's it going?" And the guy was like, "Yeah, so far, so good," sort of thing. I see them take somebody's uh, ID. I see them have somebody take their mask down so they can look at them. Then another cop pulls up. That's three. They take one of the gentlemen uh, towards the store to talk to him there. I guess they're going to do the old split them up, you know, get the story. It's getting a little tense. Like, I, I wasn't a huge. Uh, I was getting tense. And then two more cops come up. Now it's five for two guys. Unarmed. I mean, these guys were just, like, wearing jackets, you know, just hanging out. They didn't look... Uh, you know, I, I didn't know whether maybe there was an incident that happened inside the store. Um, some store people came out to like smoke a cigarette and see what was going on, but I don't know whether they called, whether they were just quote unquote suspicious outside the store. I have no idea. All I know is that five cops are now hovering over two uh, black guys. One looked like almost like a kid. One was maybe twenty five. <clears throat> 
The third cop then uh, comes over to the guy who's sitting on the curb now and does the classic cop thing. Like, look, I'm asking questions here. You tell me. Now he's getting. And I'm like, I, why? Everything was real calm until this fucking loser showed up. Now he's yelling at everybody. Well, finally, they, they, they put the other guy in the car and I hear one of them say, we're going to take him to his mom's house. Uh, we just talked to his mom. So I'm like, okay, man, that must be a minor. I said, I don't like the idea that they're, like, digging around the car. They're, now they're patting him down. You know, <clears throat> wasn't a huge fan of it, but they put him in the car, then everybody disperses, and then the one guy is left that was there. And I said, man, I, I hope you don't mind. I, I wasn't trying to, you know, be like a, you know, want gossip. I just want to make sure everything's cool because I know how this shit goes down. He was like, yeah, we were just walking around. Now, again, I, I don't just... I'm not taking this guy's word for it, but he was like, yeah, they thought, like, because I'm in my 20s and that kid's, like, 17, that I was trying to, like, kidnap him and take him to New York. Like, they thought it was uh, we were being suspicious. Like, I, I don't know. And I was like, well, I, I don't know what the situation was. I just wanted to make sure you guys, you know, didn't get hurt because I know, you know, how, how it goes. And so he thanked me, and, and, and I walked away. And, you know, it's another 10 minutes for me to get home, and all I could think of was, how shitty it would be to just always be suspicious. To always have somebody fucking breathing down your neck. And the person that's breathing down your neck is, is armed. Um, they're, they're dangerous. Um, they, will, um, they will do violence. Um, if they are pushed or if they're having a bad day or if the, they, you know, the dosage of steroids and, and, and speed was like off, you know, people can get fucked up for nothing. And, um, and, I, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So, just to level set everybody, Kobe, you've seen the full video. I don't mean what has been released to the press, but all three body cams. The from raw the, footage. The raw footage from beginning to end. Um, you've gone over the, the report um, with the NAACP, with the AG's office, etc., so, as, as experts go, um, you're one of them. Uh, I don't know how many people have probably seen all the raw footage from beginning to end. I certainly wouldn't be able to do it. But um, I, I just want people to know that we're talking about it from that, from that perspective. Um, maybe you could just give a little background of how you were involved in, in both seeing the footage, working with the family, um, you know, having meetings with the AG and other um, legal folks. Just give a little background there. Yeah. So, you know, when this incident took place on January 13th, 2021, um, no one really heard about it. It wasn't in the media. It wasn't, you know, really out there. It wasn't until um, a member of the family reached out to the NAACP and said, um, you know, this incident took place. My son ended up dead. Um, can y'all help? We're, you know, we're going to be doing a protest outside of Newcastle County Police because we haven't heard anything. Um, and that was in late February. Almost, it was It was actually after a month um, of time, they still hadn't heard anything from the police. Um, and that's when they got um, connected with the Igwe firm, um, Mecca Igwe and Renee. Um, and they became the legal representation for the family, and the NAACP became a civil rights organization supporting their efforts. And what we saw from that 
we heard from the family, we heard about what happened, and we immediately started asking questions using the backing of the NAACP, both to Kathy Jennings and uh, to County Exec Matt Myers about what's going on, where's the body-worn camera, because at the time, um, Newcastle County was one of, um, if not the only, um, police department in the state of Delaware um, who had body-worn cameras. So we knew there was footage of this incident, um, and we wanted to see it. The attorneys got to see it first, the attorneys and the family, then we got to see it. Um, and that's kind of when we made the determination that this was a full-fledged execution uh, and what came out when i don't know if you saw the newcastle county when they finally released the video but they had you know officer there in his dress blues and everything i guess dress browns um kind of explained what everyone was about to see talked about the officers years on the force um what officer fired what officers didn't and also he he slipped in oh um along with marijuana, there was other drugs found, no. um, and kind of pit the, the blame on Lamont um, and try to craft him as just a drug dealer or something like that and take the blame off of their reckless actions that led to the execution of him. Now, when you look at the full video, um, body-worn cameras, the first 30 seconds, you don't have sound. So you, the officers are walking up. So let's let's just so the first thing we see is officers walking up to a car parked in the street. Yes. Um, is the, is the car running at that time or the lights on? I mean, what 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 prompted them to start? I mean, we don't know because there's no sound, but we assume either it was on with the lights on or they noticed somebody in it. Yeah. So if, a few things with that, right? So the officer should have started his body cam right away. He had enough time to call backup and for two cars, two separate cars to arrive on scene. Right. So one arrives, checks out the scene. He calls for more for backup before they even approach. Yes. Got it. Now, they claim they're there because um, of stolen cars. Right. And they're doing an investigation in the city of Wilmington. Um, remember that point. I'll, I'm going to come back to that. Yeah, we're going to definitely come back to it because I have a lot of questions about this. So then it becomes, okay, um, there's a running car here with tags that they did not run to see that it was a rental car, but they just assumed it was stolen and that there was an individual in there that looked sleep. So then, it, then they try to say later in a report it became a wellness check. Um, to make sure he was okay. So the officers approach the car. They open the door. He's in their sleep. They wake him up. They start him, right? Um, he's going, you know, what's going on? One, they did not identify themselves right away. So he's saying, what's going on? And then he finally says, you know, I'm in front of my mom's house. I'm just out here in front of my mom's house. Now, the officers say that the car was in drive. No, the car was on. In the video footage, you can see the car's on. It's the middle of winter. It's January 13th. It's cold outside. Of course, you have the heat on in your car, right? You're in there waiting. You see him when he finally does take off from the officers. He has to pick the car. He moves it from park to drive so that he can pull off, right? Yeah, and I've only seen the video the one time, uh, the, what was released like to the press. And that activity when they're... You know, one officer comes up 
to the driver's side and opens it. One officer comes up to the passenger side and opens it. They got, you know, it's the middle of the night. They're shining lights in there and they're, they don't identify themselves. They're just sort of poking around. One's got like their, their nightstick or whatever, baton, or baton yeah. and they're poking. And another guy, the guy on the, the passenger side's like, like moving stuff around uh, with the lights on. So, it, you know, you can imagine it's not. You know what you're watching when you're watching it, but like mm-hmm. if, if if you're just startled in the middle of the night, you would you wouldn't necessarily know for a while that these are like cops. You might right. think you're getting robbed. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really know what's what. So I just want to make that clear. Like there's a, <clears throat> and, and you can also tell I think with only seeing it one time that the car's obviously not in gear. Like, yeah. it's not moving. LeMond's looking out this way, He's ta- and then he's talking to the cop that's coming in through the, the passenger side. Right. And, and the car's not moving. It's and clearly they open not. both doors without LeMond's consent, right? Oh, yeah. You, uh, can, you can pretty much tell that. Like, they, 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 they open the door and start poking at him, and then somebody opens the door on the other side. Yeah. So, yeah. So, they opened the door without consent. Um, they did not initially identify themselves. Um and then, you know, they go on and say, oh, we're just checking. He's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm in front of my mom's house. Like, what are you doing here? Um, and then you hear one officer, and you can't really see what officer said it exactly, but one officer says, let's pull him out. Um, so Lamont's, that's when Lamont starts saying, you know, why? Well, I'm in front of my mom's house. I'm good. Like, leave me alone. Um, so, again, that is, that is, you know, that right there, that first interaction goes against um, the the county's policies within the department. Now, I wanted to go back to the initial reason why the officer called for um, backup. Now, they're doing an investigation in city limits, right? Well, that was my question since we're going to talk about it now. They're investigating stolen cars. Mm-hmm. So they come into the city. To investigate the stolen cars. Now, is there any documentation of them looking for a particular car that night? Like, oh, this got reported stolen, and we're looking for this car. No. Or, no. So, there's no, they're just, it's just made up. Right. They're just it's, making, making. You know, we heard there's no stolen like, cars, and this right. is where they're at, right? And so, I'd like to, you know, and if, and if we're wrong about this, and somebody wants to provide documentation that there was, you know, somebody called two hours before that about a car of that make and model that was stolen, and you want to provide that, that would be super, but as far as I know, that doesn't exist, so. I this the whole pretext uh, is a lie, right. uh, in my opinion. And you know, I want to read on the show. Um, this is the Newcastle County Division of Police Jurisdiction and Mutual Aid Directive Two, right, two point one four. And what it states is that typical mutual aid requests occur during emergencies, such as civil disorder. Just to let people know, mutual aid isn't the way we would think of it. It means like right. going, working, different departments going, working within the jurisdiction. Right. right. So Newcastle and Wilmington are two different jurisdictions, even though Wilmington is within Newcastle County. Natural disasters is the second point. Oh, excuse me. What was the first one? Civil disorder. Okay. Natural disasters. State of war. Or other public disasters. And then the last point is any other circumstance in the judgment of the principal law enforcement officer, um, which would be Wilmington. um, And that's, you know, that's when the president comes to town, right? And they need extra help or they have a huge event going on and they need extra help. That's when they can deem it necessary for the mutual aid to kick in, right? Right. And that's the other thing, too, is that in that last one, 
it's dependent upon a request from, in this case, Wilmington to say, can we get, uh, I don't know, mounted police for this thing in the park? Or can right. we get blah, 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 blah. So they're requesting it. And if, is there any documentation that that request was made or that it was okay, but that, that the Wilmington police said, yeah, okay, come and look for these stolen cars somewhere? No. And no, of course we, not. as the NAACP, have not talked to Chief Tracy Um he was supposed to be in a meeting with us, but chose not to come to it. I don't know if you've heard, um, but I have no confidence he's going to help. Um, but we did talk to the mayor and the mayor's chief of staff, and neither one of them were aware of any um, mutual aid requests being made for that night or for that time period um, of when this happened for this type of a ongoing investigation that they claim to take place. Right? So that's red flag number one. The second one was they broke their policy about engaging an individual in a car um, and rendering help um, by, you know, pretty much opening doors, trying to pull him out and everything like that. Now, also, if you look at it, we as the NAACP believe these officers should have never been over uh, Southbridge that night. Uh, and then, they should have uh, never engaged with Lamont. East side. Riverside, yeah, Riverside. Riverside. River, yeah, Riverside. I'm sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, I just came from River, the, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, these officers then, in their actions, broke another departmental policy by shooting at the car. Now, we have Shot Spotter over there, which was able to record when each shot was uh, actually taken. So that actually gave us extra that Morgan & Lewis, the law firm that did the uh, independent investigation, looked into. Um, so when you get to that point, well, let's, 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 yeah. let's finish before shots were mm-hmm. fired. Let's kind of like, for sure, because, because the thing I remember seeing was this menace was the police menacing this guy. Yeah. Um, asking him, Hey, do I smell marijuana? What the fuck's going on in here? And him saying, as you said, um, I'm just in front of my mom's house. I'm just taking a nap in front of my mom's. It's really unclear to me how it goes from. That to the next thing I remember seeing is is the, is Lamont trying to pull like around the they have him boxed in, and so he's like slowly pulling up like around the side to try to like just sort of get away. But like at, at like the car is almost like in gear, but there's the gas is not. It's like rolling to the side as if you were like trying to park, mm-hmm. and that's when we get shots fired. What what brought us from? The uh, the initial menacing and the engagement to now the car moving, then blocking them off and shots being fired. Yeah. So first you you have the officers interview. Right. So they talk about, oh, when they went into the car and Lamont woke up, um, he seemed confused. Um, he seemed aggravated. He seemed to be sweating profusely. Right. So. And he seemed out of breath. Well, you know, if someone just startled me in the middle of my sleep and I'm sleeping in a car that has the heat on because I'm outside, I may be sweating. And, yeah, when I wake up, I'm going to be confused and upset about what's going on. Three weird white guys are reaching in my car right now. Opening the doors and shit. They had not identified themselves. So he knew nothing, right? He didn't know what was going on. He just saw these people reaching across him and in his passenger side he wanted to know what was going on, right? Any normal person would have been shocked and startled by that. Um, so then that's when they had the interaction saying, you know, oh, there's weed everywhere and stuff like that. 
Um, and I mean, this all happened in a, a very quick time. Okay. Let me just be clear about that. Um, so as the interaction, as cops step back and they, they start talking and everything, they say that, you know, they were checking up on them, but they're here to see if the cars are stolen. He's saying the car's not stolen. This isn't a stolen car. I'm in front of my mom's house. I'm just, you know, I'm out here at my mom's house. So that's when things, um, you know, then they were like, oh, there's weed all over the car. He was like, oh, it's just weed. And like, there's a little pack, um, by the, the, the cup holder, um, area of the car, right? Just weed? Just weed. Okay. Right? Not that I give a shit. I'm just, <laughs> I just want to make sure, like, I don't care. I mean, my, my love of all drugs is well established, but I, I just want to make sure I understand the situation. Like if there's any extraneous stuff I should know. Right. So he's just got a little bit of weed in the car. Yep. Okay. So it wasn't until after, um, they said that and the officer said, we're going to take you out the car. Did Lamont start the car back? Right. Let me just note again. Again, they said the car was in drive at one point, but you cannot cut off a car that's in drive, especially not push to starts. Right. That's just not how it works. Um, he starts the car again, pits it in drive and he takes off. He pulls off. The other door closes as he pulls off. No officers are harmed. Right. You hear the other officers go running back to their car. They say, oh, we're going to get this motherfucker. Right. Um, and they jump in their cars, they speed down. Now, do we the, know what they said? Is it on? Is yeah, it, it says motherfucker, right? We're gonna get this motherfucker. Um, okay. and you know, then you hear another one saying that you know they're chasing them, right? So, as the three vehicles are following, now these are three pretty much Chevy Tahoes, right? right you know SUV. how big, yeah, the, a the, Chevy Tahoe is the, the, the county police SUV situation, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the street over Riverside is not that big of a street. You can barely get two cars down there going different directions. So you have three SUVs. Then you have a car driving down one way, which ends up being blocked off. It's a dead end, right? They're doing construction over there. So he had, they said he just made a U-turn right away. No, it's no way you can do that down there. We've gone down there in smaller cars than the car that Lamont had and struggled to make that turn, make a straight U-turn. You have to make at least a five-point turn, right? It gave them enough time to get down there, get in position, and stop their vehicles all off to the right-hand side, and the three officers get out the car. Now, they failed to communicate with each other. As Lamont turns around, he stops for a second, and he's pointing towards, if you're looking at him, Right, so you're you're the officers. You're their viewpoint. He's pointing to your left. Right now, y'all all parked to his right, leaving in a wide open gap. One, the officer should have communicated their location, because the rear officer, the last officer, he did not fire his gun at all. He says he did not fire his gun because um, another officer, two officers were in front of him, and he didn't want to hit them. Right. Now, the two officers in front both fired. Now, officer number one, which was the closest, says he believed that the officer wasn't to his right. He was to his left. And that when Lamont was going off to the left, he feared that that officer was in danger. But there was no, no one there. No vehicle, no nothing. No one was in danger until after Lamont was hit with a bullet and killed 
did he lose control of the car and then smash into a side of one of the SUVs. And that's clearly shown in the video, right? And then I'm going to break down um, how long each shot took and where, how far away the vehicle was. So they stated, and they used a shot spotter for this. As so well we have one. We have one cop in the middle of the street, basically. Correct. One to his right, where he thinks it's to his left, but it's not. It's open right. to his left. And then one behind them. The one behind them is the one he thought was to the left. The one to the right. Okay, so he knew somebody was to the left, but the other guy was standing right. behind him, and he thought he. So they thought, okay, mm-hmm. that's so I, okay, fine. And so now that Lamont has gotten his car turned around. And it's it's basically stopped. Mm-hmm. He starts to pull to what would have been his right, the officer's left. Mm-hmm. But he's not really pulling out. He's like pulling out of a of a parking spot. It's not like he's hit the gas. He's like rolling out around where that officer would be. Right. And so the officer, I guess, was in the in the middle of the street with a person to, with another officer to his right, fires mm-hmm. first. Thinking that the one behind him is to the left and is now in the way of the of the car, mm-hmm. so it's just a made up story. So, so who who was the first? So the officer in the middle. Do we have that guy's name? Um, yes, Leonardi. Leonardi. Yeah. God damn it! Another Italian I think fucking I said scumbag. That right. Um. So the when Lamont first made the turn and the officer stopped, he was about twenty eight feet away. Right. The first shot was fired when he was about 14 feet away, going 12 miles per hour. And Leonardi is the officer that fired first. And he fired into the windshield. Um, he was doing 12. 12 miles an hour. So, yes. Yeah, so he, he so he went about half the... He, he made up half the distance between the car and the officers in, you know, a second or two doing 12 miles an hour. Basically right. pulling, pulling away. Yeah. Gravity. Yeah, pretty much. And then the next shot was fired about 10 feet away from the officer. Officer Leonardi Leonardi was about 10 feet away from the car when he fired the second shot. Lamont was going about 13 miles per hour. Um, And that went through his windshield, right? The next shot, Lamont was about 5 feet away going 16 miles per hour when he fired the third shot. Um, and then he was about three feet away when he fired the fourth shot. Um, and then when he fired the next shot, he was about, again, three feet away, now going about 20 miles per hour. Um, and that's the one that, that hit Lamont. Um, so, again, and that that's when he, you know, loses control um, and heads towards the direction of one of the SUVs. The officer on the right also fires once... Leonardo fires. Yes. So what is first of all, what's that officer's name? That is Corporal Ellis. Corporal Ellis. And what's the sequence? So Leonardi gets off one or two shots before Ellis fires? Um from the way the reports were written, yes. Okay. So um, how many so five shots from Leonardi? And three. And three from Ellis. Yes. Eight shots total. Yes. Okay. Um and then the last officer did not fire. Now, we've talked about Leobard here, right? This is how this is all connected. Leobard protects the officers who fired the shots. So, from the report we read and was presented, the officer was interviewed this same night. The officer that did not fire. 
Yeah, so the third officer is interviewed that night after this incident. That night. By himself. Right. Then they have 13 days. Two weeks. Yeah. To get their story straight before they interview Leonardi. Now, that right there, a lot of things can happen in two weeks. Also, so what's should... what's the what's mm. the rationale behind interviewing the third officer the night of the incident and the officer that fired first two weeks later? Oh well, Leobor gives him the ability to talk to his union rep, uh, get to know what exactly is going on, give him time and everything. It shouldn't be like that. He should have been interviewed that night. Should have gave his official statement that night. Then they go back and look at the body-worn camera footage and see what really happened. They should not be able to review the body-worn camera footage first, then give their account to be, oh, well, can you, you know. Can you underscore that? Because in the meantime, in that two-week period, both of the officers who fired saw all the body form. They were able to go through, not only get their story straight, but make sure that they jived with what you're, or they had excuses for the shit that you were going to see. Right. Like, it wasn't like what happened and they just have to, like, say it and then you can compare that to the evidence. They get to basically concoct their story after knowing the pieces of it that were going to be questioned most. Exactly. And that's the issue we have with Leobard. And this shows, yet again, why this is not meant for true community trust. Now, if we were to see this investigation be done honestly, one, those officers would have hit, hit on administrative leave right away. The officer who fired the shot would have been interviewed right away. And then you would have seen the discrepancies. I guarantee you, you would have seen discrepancies in his account of it versus what he saw on the body-worn camera footage. It's, it's, anyone would know that. But then also you look at what this all comes down to, right? So that's the video. That's the report. At the very beginning, I talked about the jurisdiction, right? Morgan and Lewis did not look at that question whatsoever. So in our minds, in the ACP, the attorneys, by excluding that part of the investigation, you're missing a huge part. And it's pretty much... What's the legal rationale for not... Taking up that question. Well, that's what's going to be answered, hopefully, in this civil trial. Um, now, I'm not an attorney. I don't pretend to be one. Not going to law school anytime soon. Probably never. Um, so that's more of a, a attorney-based question right there. Yeah, I just didn't know whether yeah. they provided, like, yeah, this is an open question, but we didn't answer it because of X. So they're just saying that... So this report was written basically saying a cop in this state under these circumstances can do it. But it can be any cop. Exactly. doesn't matter where they are. So it could be uh, a black cop from the city of Wilmington can be down in Rehoboth. And if they shoot someone and say they were operating as a cop, it's fine. Right? That's the precedent that we think this has set. Because these officers are not sworn officers of the city of Wilmington. And we have our own issues here. We have our own issues with community policing. So if we can't even get our city cops to know our residents, how do you think we can get the county cops? 
right? Yeah, it's funny too. I mean, I made the joke about Chief, uh, about no confidence with Chief Tracy, um, and you know the guy's a scumbag. Uh, he covered up a murder in Chicago. Everybody knows that. Laquan McDonald. You can look it up. Um, but yeah, like under you would think that if you were in a situation that the Wilmington Police Department's in, it's already shitty. The last thing you want is some cowboys from the county coming in and and and, and playing shoot 'em up, uh, waking waking somebody up who's asleep who's unarmed. And you know if I. I perish the thought. If I was Chief Tracy and I ran the Wilmington Police Department, I'd be fucking pissed about this. But the difference is that the the bond between killer cops is stronger than anything. Like, really, while while the Wilmington Police Department and the mayor want good community relations, that's a secondary or tertiary sort of priority. Their first priority is to all stick together and come down when you got to come down and shut the fuck up about stuff. Like, so this is a perfect example where, you know, if, if you, and, and, you know, people work, they understand, you know, what their, what the politics are like at work and who has responsibility for what and when things are going bad, you know. And so, you know, if somebody came into your jurisdiction, did something so heinous that, that sort of paints, a, paints you in a bad light, you think you would do everything in your power to hold that person accountable. But in this case, you don't because cops are built different. And when I say built different, I mean worse. And, you know, I, I want to bring up another point as well, too, about shooting at a moving car. And that also goes against departmental policies of Newcastle County Police. Why do we know this? We know this because um, in 2015, a group of us, Delaware uh, Delawareans for Policing Oversight, sat down with, at the time, Colonel Bond, who was in charge. He's like the chief for um, Newcastle County Police. And we worked out you know, a solution so that we could release the white pages online, right? So we were able to comb, comb through all their policies. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't usually talk with a laptop here, but I, I wanted to make sure I had this stuff right. But these policies talk about um, use of force. They talk about firing at moving vehicles. Um, they talk about everything. And then even in the, the official report, um, they talk and highlight what policies were um, broken, and it's a number of them. But also they make policy recommendations, and a lot of the policy recommendations that they make are the policies that we've been saying. I mean, we could have saved the state a few hundred thousand dollars. You know, they didn't need to go to a law firm, an international law firm, because young black activists who live this every single day have been singing, saying the same thing that these police treat us this way. And this needs to change. We hooked up with some um, people who went to college who understand public policy and said, look, how can we change this? We created a package of policy reforms. There was some that was heard. Some they jumped on right away. The body worn cameras was one of them. That's good. But there's still a lot of other stuff. I mean, Leobard stops a lot of things here. Yeah, I mean, it's work. What, what we're mm-hmm. what we're saying basically is that the mutual aid jurisdiction thing doesn't even get addressed, right? Um, the firing at a, a moving vehicle or the other ways that they interacted um, at the vehicle even before they fired at the moving vehicle, 
Um, the you know you did so so you always get the the you know the policy uh, mm-hmm. or this and and the tra- poor training or lack of training, but really what it comes down to is as long as you can make up a story that means that you thought somebody was uh, being threatened, you can just do the policies don't matter whether the car is moving not moving whether you're where you're supposed to be or you're not supposed to be whether you inter- announced yourself or didn't announce yourself whatever the policies say they're irrelevant they don't exist there are no policies mm-hmm. because if you can convince actually you don't even have to convince anybody because the people you're talking to are already want to be convinced right so you just make up a story and there are no policies there are no there's no training there's nothing um, that's that's the thing that 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 is really needs to be understood when you talk about Leo Bohr, uh, mm-hmm. when you talk about um, you know uh, when when you can use deadly force, you know use of force stuff. Um, you know you can talk about training and policy, and you're not supposed to do this, and you're supposed to do that. It's all irrelevant. Um, don't don't let people uh, f- don't let people fool you with that stuff. Um, it doesn't really exist. It only exists on paper. The thing that supersedes everything is uh, the rights of cops to do what they want, to use deadly violence pretty much without any consequence whatsoever because, you know, they have two weeks to uh, get their story straight. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I also want to talk about the report itself, so go ahead and give us some more uh, background. Newcastle County Police clearly state that, you know, officers are prohibited from discharging their firearms um, at a motor vehicle um, unless it's a last resort and they have used every other um, way to kind of de-escalate the situation. Um, And again, if one of them are in direct harm's way, either the the officer who's going to fire or a fellow officer or a civilian. No one was in harm's way. He was heading the opposite way of them, which shows he did not want to hurt them. He was just trying to get away. Right. Um, and in this report at the, the bottom of the report, if, if you want to read it yourself, um, they talk about under the framework of this investigation and, and where the state code is in the, the, the county policies. They say, if you successfully prosecute the officer, um, Leonetti or Corporal Ellis, for use of deadly force, the state would need to prove two things. That the officers um, were aware and consciously disregarded um, un- it, the unjustifiable risks in attaining or failing to attain information needed to make the determination regarding the use of deadly force, or that the officer's decision in itself to use deadly force involved conscious disregard for unjustifiable risks, right? That's the two questions that they would successfully have to prove, um, which makes it very subjective, right? Um, That's why... Um, SB 147 was such a big bill that we asked for in 2020, but people like Frank Cook, who held it up, you know, caused this not to be passed until after Lamont Moses' death. So now, going forward, the use of force policy, it will be applied in an objective way, 
But for this, they still have to operate under the old laws because this happened before that bill passed. Thanks, Franklin Cook. Yeah. You're great, buddy. Way to go. You're real, real... Uh... And this is his former department. Well, I mean, regular listeners of this program will know that he is a retired county cop. So, like again, if you're, it's not. We don't have to stand up uh, by the by the and push push pins in and collect, connect. Uh, you know, little twine like uh, what's his name from, you know, a, a conspiracy theory from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You know, this is it's right out in the open. And I I sort of lamented it when it happened and the sadness of. Of it happening, I remember, you know, thinking to myself that, you know, they're just going to do it right out in the open. Just go tell you to fuck yourself. And you're just going to have to be like, oh, I guess that's that's it. Like, I at least thought we would get a bullshit reason why this happened. But really, we just get no reason. It's yeah. just like, no, nah, well, yeah, they murdered that guy. Sorry. You know, and, and who, you know, who held, who held up the, uh, the use of force uh, thing? Oh, the guy, he used to be a county cop? Oh, okay. You know, and so, you know, oh, the Wilmington cops didn't want him there. They didn't even know, but they're not really, they don't really care either. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, so it's like they're, they're beyond the, they're beyond the, the activity of like coming up with a good lie. Like I remember when uh, Bam Bam McDowell was, was murdered, you know, the, uh, the AG's office, Matt Den came up with a, 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 a turn of phrase, a very professional turn of phrase. I mean, what it means is kind of disgusting, but. That uh, that shotgun Joe uh, participated in e- extraordinarily poor police work. I always thought that was a, a really uh, interesting euphemism. But they don't even use euphemism anymore. They're just like, no. I mean, there's nothing we can do. It's like the scene in Goodfellas, you know. And it's 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 incredibly disgusting. And and I and again, I wanted to have this conversation because people don't look at it like this. They don't. They try not. To, it's ugly. It's it's an ugly, sad affair, and people don't want to think about it too much. Um, but this is how people are policed and, um, it's, 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 it's not, it, we can't, we can't go on this way, you know? Yeah. So what, what are some of the next steps? I mean, where, where are we at with this from a civil, uh, from a civil perspective? Where yeah. is the NAACP at with it? Um, I know you probably don't want to speak to like the civil suit with Igwe and, and how that would go, but I know the NAACP is also pursuing sort of, uh, Federal investigation, which yeah. I think actually people hear that and think it's sort of exaggeration. I think it's completely warranted, especially in this case, but just in general. Yeah, so um, the civil case is going forward, um, and kind of everything was on hold waiting for this use of force report to come out. Um, now, on the NAACP side, we continue to stand in solidarity with the family. Now, we wrote to Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland, who's the attorney general for the U- U.S., asking him for a federal investigation into the Newcastle County Police pattern or practice. Um, and that's to say, look at the last 15 years that Newcastle County has um, abused their power, that if people run, you get either put in a hospital or you die. Um, and that shouldn't be right. Right. And you look at where these incidents are happening It's happening in black and brown communities all across the county. And the officers are not being held accountable whatsoever. We also get stories and we get cases almost daily at this point right now of 
other incidents that are happening in Newcastle County, whether it's cops kicking people in the face while they're down on the ground, um, people using their knee and kneeling into their backs, just like what happened with George Floyd. Uh, we get videos. I, I mean, my social media team from my campaign, they still have access to my Facebook and Instagram. And when people send videos, they usually see it before me. And they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this, right? We get videos. We get photos. We get people are getting bit by dogs. Uh, there's a video going around now of a young guy. He ran from the cops, gave up. They still let the dog go on him. And the dog bites at his uh, the his leg, at his calf. Um, and the pictures after that, it, I mean, it's deep gashes into his leg. Um, it's incidents like that. That's excessive force, uh, use of force right there. Um, and that does not help with community relations that, you know, it's funny that some people say things like, oh, well, if a councilwoman posts a, a picture saying um, that the boys in blue are the new KKK, that that's, you know, breaking community trust. I've had officers call me or stop me on the street to tell me that me posting a video of an officer beating uh, a young guy's head into bulletproof glass over South Bridge breaks community trust. I should have had posted that video, but yet nothing happened. Yeah, a quick word on that is uh, that's a bunch of horseshit. Yeah, uh, people who say that can go fuck themselves, because again, the the we we are the citizens. We are the citizens. We we don't have that responsibility. You have that responsibility. The idea that um, that telling the truth. Or, or going over these incidents and explaining, you know, how the communities are menaced and getting the information out. The idea that that is the action that is the nefarious sort of, uh, you know, that, that that's breaking the trust. That's that is uh, absurd. Yeah. There's no, we don't have responsibility. The responsibility is 100 percent on the cops. Straighten the fuck up, or 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 we're or we're not. You're going to be hated, and nobody's going to want to apply. You know, no, no wonder people don't want to apply. No yeah, wonder both. people look at you. I mean, I, it was it was interesting uh, at the incident I talked about just this week that I stopped and watched. I was, you know, just across the entrance from this incident. So I'm on this curb. They're on that curb. I'm, I don't know, 10 to 15 feet away. Not one of those five cops, and we were there maybe 20, 30 minutes. It's hard to gauge exactly how long you were there. Not one of those cops looked at me, didn't even glance at me. But they knew I was there, and they knew why. They, I mean, I had my phone up. I, they knew why I was there. I mean, I, they probably heard me speaking to the guys from across the thing just to make sure, like, whether I should start filming, whether, you know, what was happening. But they know. They know that they're scumbags and they're hated. I mean, that's one of the things that probably lends itself to, like, more camaraderie of, like, uh, like, like gangs, like criminal gangs, violent criminal gangs. I mean, we've talked about this. Um, there's some great work that's been done uh, in the L.A. Sheriff's Department about actual gang gangs. But it's, you know, it's the same stuff. They have them in Philly. They've been trying to weed them out. Um, these, the, the cops are bad people. Um, some of them are the scum of the earth, and they're responsible for fixing this. There's no responsibility. The community's responsibility is zero. 
Cops can, can, can fix it or fuck off. Like, there's nothing. The community's not doing anything to ask to be killed. So you may not like what I'm about to say. Um, Probably not. <laughs> but, you know, I've been stopped by a lot of cops and told to go fuck myself. Um, but I've been stopped by more cops who agree with what I talk about. They agree that, one, they believe that the culture within their departments aren't good. The morale isn't good. That it's a, a racist structure inside. And these are black and white officers. Can you have someone come, come in? Can they come into the podcast and we, can we like, go over some of this? I think would be scared of. Yeah, no shit. Well, that's my point. Yeah. I guess that's my point. Like, I my issue with that, because people do people do say that. Like, my, mm-hmm. my issue with that is that I, I'm sure that there are cops that are like, man, this is horrible. How, mm-hmm. I don't like this. It makes me feel bad. Like, I, I, don't, I know what the problems are, et cetera. I know what the problems of the culture. I know the people who are racist. I know the people who, you know, are, you know, they change barrels out of their guns or they're on steroids or whatever. Or they, they have, a, you know, they do uh, sexual assaults uh, with, with people that they're apprehending or whatever. We had that incident. Like... <clears throat> I'm sure people, I'm sure that there are police that are duly disgusted by that. Um, but that, that does, that, that you don't get, you don't get bonus points for that. Like there's no bonus. You don't get a no. fucking cookie for being, for, for on the side telling somebody, you know, it is real bad. I wish, like, actually it makes it worse. Right. To me. Like but, I, I wish somebody would have that conversation with me so I could go <laughs> tell them to fuck them, go fuck themselves. But see, here's, here's my view on it, right? So. You know, they say that to people like me because they know I have a voice and I'm not scared to speak out. But they also see what happens internally when an officer does speak out against something that's bad in the department. They get isolated. They get harassed. Um, You know, there's a lot of things going on right now, right? In Newcastle and state and city police, um, all up and down this, this state, right? And here's the thing. A lot of officers... No, people did not like the defund, you know, what that became, right? But a lot of officers agree with the actual underlining points of what reallocating money from the department means. It means they get to return to their jobs and they're not overworked. They're not in the schools. They're not being mental health specialists. They're actually getting the properly trained people who are specialists in those areas to come in and actually deal with what they're supposed to deal with. And they get back to trying to focus in on public safety. Now, if you look at the city of Wilmington, the city of Wilmington is struggling right now. And, you know, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm saying it's time to cut the bullshit out and let's work together to get this done. You have... 50% 50% of the state shootings in 2021 happened in the city of Wilmington. 216 shootings in the entire state, 113 happened in the city of Wilmington. 39 people dead in the city of Wilmington. People from as low as 8 years old to 84 years old being shot. That should be a huge red flag. That should be, okay, it doesn't matter what side of council you're on. It shouldn't matter what district you won and what district you lost. Let's sit down and let's look over this again. And I'll say this until I'm blue in the face. I believe the Wilmington Police Department 
while they may have an officer who's in charge, which is Chief Tracy, they need to have a civilian over them. We need to have a public safety director for the city of Wilmington whose sole priority is to oversee the, the police department, right? That's just too much. It's too big of a department and it's too big of a, a focus for the city right now that's hurting that the mayor cannot fully put all his time in that. And this isn't a knock on the mayor. Me and the mayor disagree on some things, but that's not a knock on him. He has to deal with other things as the mayor. Anyone in that role would have to, right? So you need someone who's dedicated to oversee that, right? And that's how you start addressing some of this. But also you got to look at where is the money going? Um, we're getting ARPA funds. You have people who are struggling to pay their water bills. People who are struggling to pay their electric bills. We're still in a pandemic. And just because, you know, we elected Joe Biden, we see that does not mean this pandemic was going to end. Now, I think from the presidential standpoint, he's doing some of the right things needed to get us out. But we still have a culture where people don't want to listen to that. COVID has been politicized. Yeah, Housing I mean, justice has been politicized. It, it's interesting you bring all that up because yeah. that's my that's my point is, is you know, obviously it really didn't matter what the slogans that came out of the George Floyd phase mm -hmm. of the Black Lives Matter stuff. One of them was defund the police. And, of course, that gets politicized and like, well, crime's way up. Well, actually, it's actually not way up. There are some violent crimes in some places that are up, like there right. are shootings are up. But in general, crime across the country is at all-time lows. Um, but for some of the violent crime in some of the places that is up, um, yeah, I mean, you look at this, the economic situation. People are leaving their jobs, their, their low-paying jobs. They they did get some they did get some money and some aid through the beginning of the worst of the pandemic, but that's all over and now those people are being left out to dry. And, you know, whether it's housing, water, whatever. The idea that rearranging the budget of the police department is going to make it worse is it, it didn't it didn't do it to begin with. The the cops don't don't do anything about the crime. The crime happens, they respond to it. There's nothing the cops are doing that are preventing any crime. The crime's going to go up and down based on a, a series of very complicated social factors and economic factors, not whether there are 15 extra cops in the street. Exactly. So let's be proactive to change some of those. Yeah. Uh, and people need to, like, we have to decouple the idea that the, that, that the, now the police control the crime stats as well. So... Keep in mind that whatever statistic you do see that's leveraged in a political way, keep in mind that the only reason we have any statistics, any, any like statistics is what the cops tell us happened. And as we can see from this yeah. Lamont Moses thing, what the cops tell you is, is uh, very rarely not what happened. And so let's keep that in mind, too, when we're talking about, uh, you know, what, what the trends look like, what the crime stats look like. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, it, it's not some some science where we have everything like narrowed down. We do not. We depend on the police to tell us. And obviously, what those stats look like, uh, they have a, a a big interest in in telling us what how the things look. Mm -hmm. You know, so people need to keep that uh, squarely in their mind. Yeah, and you know, like I'll, I'll keep saying this. Um, 
we have a lot of work to do. And the only way to get it done is for everyone to put their egos to the side, sit down at the table, and have, one, the community involved, because that's the only way you're going to change this. And you need the elected officials involved in a way that they're listening and then responding with true legislation that centers those members of the community that came forward. And you're going to have people from all sides come. That's just democracy right there. But you have to understand, you have to listen to those who are on the front line, those who have been impacted the most um, in any given situation. And it's not saying other people's voices don't matter. No. It's saying we have to understand and make sure we get to a, a place that's truly equitable for everyone across the board, whether it's the city of Wilmington or anywhere in this state. Yeah, I'm unfortunately not, as usual, not optimistic. <laughs> but we're taking another run, um, you know, at Leobor this term. I, am I optimistic? No. But at least I know that it will be, you know, it's going to be a hot topic. I'm, you know, you know it's not going to drop. Um, it's not going to be something people are going to forget about. I mean, we did get a little small sort of concession on the use of force to make it uh, more objective, which obviously would have helped, but Franklin Cook wanted to get one more dead body in the street, I guess. Um, I hope you leave that in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to be it's, it's going to be a constant struggle. Um, but I'm, I don't plan on, um, shutting up about it, especially when, you know, people are getting, still getting harassed, menaced, beat up, kicked, cursed at, um, thrown on the ground, kicked, shot at, hit with clubs, fucking, you know, intimidated, treated like dirt. Like, what, what, how do people expect this fucking city and to function when, when that's how... You know, the police operate. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I really well, don't know. Here's the thing. And, you know, a lot of people hear the NAACP and think, oh, we only work with black and brown people um, because those are some of the cases that have made it to the news. But we work with people from all backgrounds. Um, and, you know, this one young white guy um, was assaulted by the cops. Right. And I'm sitting in his living room talking with him and his family um and his mom you know she still had a, a blue lives matter sticker on her laptop and she goes i can't believe this is all real i've never i never i thought people were just making things like this up and it wasn't until it hit her home did she see that this is a reality that it may be a small group of people face, but it's still not right. And it, you know, it, it's sad that it takes it, you know, it takes it till it happens to you or, or someone close to you for some people to understand what's truly going on. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, I know that's true. People don't understand the gravity of it. Um, they think, Oh, if you just complied or if you just did this, you did that. They, they look at it like, you know, it's easy to watch something, you know, months after it happens and you see, uh, you know, 30 seconds of it and decide what you would do. Yeah. Um, first of all, you're, you're, you are hardly ever put in that situation for a bunch of different racial and economic and social reasons, uh, for white people anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is something that happens. I mean, 
I, I think about the uh, the story that Lex just had a couple of months ago in the news journal about uh, the the torture that they do in the prisons. Yes. Now, uh, one of those uh, defendants is a white is a white guy who was again he was in in prison being held for something, but it wasn't serious. He was supposed to get out and wound up, you know, missing a transfer and having to do a couple of extra days. And he's like getting fucked with because he's like, why am I not out? And they just they just fucking beat the living shit out of the guy. Um, it's you know. Well, and I, I will say this too. Just this is a perfect time to uh, to mention it. I want to congratulate uh, Claire Dematius uh, on her big promotion from the from the governor. Uh, running, I guess, running uh, torture chambers uh, is great for your career. That was really great. So congratulations, Claire, and congratulations, uh, Governor Carney. Uh, you know, if we ever, if if the bunker ever needs to, like, you know, set up a black site somewhere and need somebody to run, you know, a torture chamber. We'll take. We'll get that. We'll maybe, maybe you know, Claire will be will be moved on, and we'll need somebody's beat ass face to come run a fucking torture chamber for us. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm really happy to see her, her career is really, uh, really taking off. I don't, I don't like her. I mean, does does anybody really? It's out. Um, but speaking of the prison situation, there was, you know, a 16 year old girl dragged 50 feet by her hair. They allowed that officer who was under review, right, to retire with his full pension before they charged him um, so that he could still get money. So, again, that was Leobard, in effect, um, of giving him the time he needed to get his time and, and get things straight uh, financially so he could have retired. Um, so, again, you know, like he said, we're, we're not going to stop pushing for SB 149 and changes to Leobard whatsoever. Um, but you know, we saw, we saw black lives matter organizers get elected to the state Senate and the state house in 2020. And if you think that momentum's gone, you're going to be shocked in 2022. Um, there's still going to be a lot of people pushing, um, for change, but if they're not seeing it, they're going to take that to the ballot box. Yep. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you will see a different general assembly come 2022 or 2023 so last thing um the civil case mm -hmm. and i know that um this has this has been cold comfort but at least some comfort for others who have uh who have lost loved ones to at the hands of the police uh, or have been injured at the hands of the police um but again um that's just money and and that money comes from us so yeah. we're all paying for it yeah. Like it's not the police when they when they have to pay out millions of dollars because you know they left bodies in the street. Um, we pay, so you know it, 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 remember that. So if if you think that this is all you know just fine, you're paying for it. Like there, there's no there, there's no um, insurance fund. They're just taking your money and paying the family. Because the cops assassinated somebody in the street. And if you want to save that money, the best thing possible is change our laws to make sure those accountable can be held accountable for their actions. Um, yeah, and really, th that's the only thing that's going to address that. Um, the other thing you said about the cops who are, like, uncomfortable with it, who don't want to be bullied, who don't want to be marginalized, you know, who are in a bad situation, like, just they just want to do their job, whatever. Let's look. The, the best way to help those co cops, if we have to, is to get the other ones out. Put them in prison. 
Fire them. Get them out. Like, there should be no... if th- This is what bothers me about that is you, you would think at least the Franklin Cooks of the world or the Pete Schwartzkoffs of the world or every other cop in the General Assembly, ex-cop in the General Assembly, or every other cop, uh, ex-cop who's, a, who's an advocate, or even if they're not an ex-cop, but they have some sort of rank and they can say, you know, the best thing we could do to, to, to create public trust and trust in the community and protect ourselves is repeal the law officers, uh, law enforcement officers' bill of rights. Because then the worst, the, you know, we, we, we will be held to a standard, a legal standard, a civil standard. And then everybody will know that we're held to the standard we should be held to. And that will create community uh, trust. It will create... Uh, you know, just a completely different atmosphere, and then you don't have to worry about it. Then you don't have to worry about these cliques and these violent gangs and people who are harassing you or marginalizing you or bullying you at work because you don't play ball, because you got uncomfortable that, you know, your partner kicked a kid in the face. We don't have to worry about any of that. Repeal the OBOR. Hold armed officers of the state to the, to the, to the, the line that they should be held to. And then that... Then that that that's the thing that's going to go the furthest if you want to create a good feeling between the public and the armed people that are meant to uh, you know, protect them. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, as I said, I was not really looking forward to doing this one. Uh, it's kind of uh, kind of bummed me out, uh, but I do think it's important. And as Kobe said, we have to stay on all of our lawmakers. We have to organize around this when we're finding primary candidates, when we're finding challengers to uh, even reactionary uh, lunatics in Sussex County. We're going to be challenging them. We're going to be challenging everybody. Sussex is a a huge goal of mine to change the makeup down there of some of those elected officials who, one, never support um, things, especially in the black community. Um, So we have some work to do down there. Um, and across the state as well, too. Yeah, and again, it's it's on one hand, you know, you you can get pessimistic and get bogged down, but on the other hand, you said it yourself. You've seen in the political realm, wins happen. The old guard be retired, and the new guard turning up. That will continue. You know, maybe we won't. Do as well as we did the last term. Maybe we only get two in this term. And then we get to three, one. But, you know, over time, this is not going to stop. We're not going to stop talking about these issues until they're done. And we're going to continue to use those to organize issue campaigns, to do canvassing, to organize uh, insurgent campaigns, primary challenges, the whole gambit. So, yeah, folks, uh, although this was a, um, a depressing topic keep your eye on the ball and solidarity everybody thanks for uh, coming in kobe of course take care y'all yeah take care left is best <laughs>